When you're a new podcaster, you may need a little help setting everything up. Like us at Into Tomorrow, you want a company that's there when you need them, who actually picks up the phone when you call. That's Blueberry Podcasting. Call 1-877-729-8642 or visit Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. How would you like to feel your best every day? For over 40 years, Human Touch has designed high-performance massage chairs, ergonomic zero-gravity recliners, and targeted massage products that not only rejuvenate the mind and body, but have helped owners perform, sleep, and live better. Sitting in a Human Touch massage chair is the perfect way to unwind, relieve pain, or recover from a hard workout. And it's all from the comfort of your own home 24-7. Anytime you need to relax sore muscles, de-stress, or even just take a moment for yourself. Human Touch works with medical practitioners, world-class athletes, and award-winning design teams to provide therapeutic benefits daily, but also offer an aesthetic appeal that captivates the eye and enhances any space. Ready to learn more? Visit humantouch.com. Human Touch. Your best every day. Broadcasting from the Human Touch exhibit here in Vegas this week, I'm Dave Graveline. Thanks for tuning in to tomorrow. Don't forget, we have video of all the radio interviews because not only do you get to see the guests, but those guests that have product that's small enough to bring to our broadcast area, we show you these cool new products. And even those like our next guests that have larger products, we're showing you video of some of the cool things that we're talking about. This portion of the program brought to you by Famalink, a modern digital photo frame that comes preloaded with a 4G SIM card for easy photo sharing. Check out Famalink.io. By Brondell, bringing you healthy home products with industry-leading technologies. Visit Brondell.com. And by Stern Pinball, the only manufacturer of arcade-quality pinball on the planet. To learn more, visit SternPinball.com. This company created the S11, the first hydrogen-powered flying racing car uh, made out of eco-friendly and sustainable materials. Pretty cool. The CEO of Maca, if I'm saying that right, is Chris Pinu. Pinu? Pinu? Pinu, P-I-N-E-A-U, yes. Okay, Pinu. How are you, Chris? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me today. It's, Appreciate it's, it. It's a pleasure. Welcome into tomorrow. So we met last year here at this show. Absolutely. And I got to wonder what's new for you guys these days. Well, many things are new. The first one is actually we initiated a partnership with Red Bull Advanced Technologies. Uh -huh. So that's good. It gives us a lot of credibility. Uh, and also, as you know, they're the champion, Formula World Championship uh, for two years in a row. Uh, and they have an incredible team of engineers and people helping out basically with the next build, actually, of the products, which we're presenting right now, which is V2. Uh, if you know anybody came to our booth at Eureka Park, it's actually 61232. It's actually a wonderful machine. Uh, should be ready for presentation for the first demonstrator, Scale 1. Uh, at Le Bourget show, uh, which is the biggest air show on the planet, by the end of June. And uh, hopefully we'll have the final product with uh, powered by hydrogen by uh, 2024, by the end of 2024. 
launching championships by 2025. So cool. a pretty tight schedule, but mm -hmm. uh, hoping to be on time for those incredible races that you're going to see because we're talking about flying Formula One here, which is pretty uh, pretty cool. Flying Formula One. Yeah. So that's what we're, we're doing. really talking about a flying racing car. That is a flying racing car. Absolutely. It's called in our jargon, we call it a VTOL, which is vertical takeoff and landing products, eVTOL for electric. And uh, like we said, we have uh, we're hydrogen powered, uh, and it's really uh, a next generation thing. So the hydrogen gives us a little bit more autonomy because autonomy, if it were only to be electric, would be about 10, 10, 15 minutes max. Uh, thanks to hydrogen, we can uh, go up to 25, 30 minutes. And then you just refuel, if I can say, uh, from hydrogen on it, and it takes about two minutes to do this. So it's like a pit stop uh, where you can go and back. Because I was going to ask why hydrogen, so you kind of answered a little bit of that question, I, I guess, too, but yep. makes a big enough difference, no? Huge. Uh -huh. uh, you know, electric is great, and it, it's for the first step. It's wonderful because we can test out the technology. Uh, but hydrogen, as you know, is the next step energy as well. After biofuel, you're going to go hydrogen. All the cars right now are actually going to the ramp for hydrogen. FIA wants to make a zero-carbon car for everyone by 2030, mm -hmm. so we're just on par with the industry, where the industry is going in the motorsports. Well, quite a challenge, no <laughs> doubt, but it sounds like you're doing it. I'm wondering, though, why you chose the sports world uh, with this uh, racing, flying car? Well, this is, this is a good question, and, and, and there's a good point for that. The reason we chose the racing and sports is because in our world, and the racing world in particular, but the flying world, uh, as you know, if you're going to fly any object, you're going to have to have what we call certification. And certification is addressed by FAA, it's addressed in, in Europe by other government agencies, uh, and it's extremely difficult to obtain today. It takes years, it's a lot of money, a lot of energy, and today all the other big players in the air taxi transportation, for example, like VTOL, still don't have full certification because you're flying over populated areas and you're also transporting people. So the security has to be absolutely 100%, 300% secure before you can do this. In our case, we're flying in a closed environment. You're flying in a racetrack, uh, which is very, you know, it's a totally closed environment and you don't transport people. Uh, there's only one pilot on board. So for that reason, all we need is a permit to fly. Uh, and that's why it's so much easier for us and EASA is our governing agency, for example, for Europe, mm -hmm. already gave us the green light, for example, for our project. So that makes it more easy. And second, what we can do in the next five to 10 years is basically test all the technologies. That's what's being done, for example, in motorsports for your normal car. If you have ABS today on your car, it's because somebody tested it in some kind of motorsports. I think it was Mercedes at the time, oh. uh, our German companies. Uh, and all the other new technologies you have in the car today they usually come from actually racing or motorsports some in, in some way. So what's good is that you transfer that technology basically to Mr. Everybody's car in the, in the future. What we want to do is do exactly the same thing for flying objects and flying cars in particular. Gotcha. How far above the racetrack do they fly? Actually, not that far for the two reasons I told you. The first one is certification. So basically, yeah. if you... If you're going to go too high and if for whatever reason, you know, the car which will go on the side or whatever it is, then you can eventually fall into a side which is not what we want. So it's going to be uh, 10 to 15 feet high, okay. which is pretty low. Yeah. Now, you're going to need a seasoned, you know, uh, pilot for that. Usually we take helicopter pilots. 
and more importantly, if they can be military helicopter pilots, we actually even like them even better. Even better, yeah. Yep. Why? Because a uh, military helicopter pilot actually flies really low usually to get us to his target. Right. And flying very low with a vehicle that's actually running 155 miles per hour oh, is extremely dangerous. Yeah. So yeah. you want to really master the entire thing. And you know somebody who has at least ten or fifteen years of experience in that in that field is going to be the right person to now, actually. Now, if they, uh, would they be competing with cars still on the track? So mm, some no. fly, some don't. Or oh, no, no. Oh, okay, so so in this case <laughs> that wouldn't be fun. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, when you mentioned fifteen feet, I'm thinking, oh, so they can really fly over other vehicles. <laughs> they can, but the most important thing is also that people can see them because you know yeah. if you're going to be around the arena and in the racetrack, you have to see where the the cars are. Yeah, actually, you're going to see them more then uh, you could see them if you're going to go Formula 1. That's because true. Because sometimes you're on the side, you're actually lower, you can't even see the racetrack, whatever, you hear the car, but you can't really see it. In our case, everybody is going to see it, which is wonderful because then you know, the sports is actually for everybody around the track. Sure. And, of course, uh, it's going to be on TV and uh, every media. So. Yeah. And how soon do you think this might happen? When's the, f- the well, first flying car race? <laughs> <laughs> Our goal is by the end of 2025. I don't know if it's extreme. I don't know. Any, any we'd, love, we'd love to have it at that time. And I think the, the technology is going to be ready for that. Uh, now, you know, you're creating a new ecosystem. You're creating a new sport. Uh, you're creating an environment that doesn't exist yet. So is it adaptable, for example, to a racetrack, the one you have, for example, Formula One right now, the NASCAR track, whichever track we have that exists? Do we need to create a new track specifically for that? That's a very interesting question. Quite. We'll tell you when we did the first testing. Uh, I believe we can test it on some of the Formula One tracks and some portions eventually of Formula One tracks or NASCAR tracks, whatever they are. Uh, and in other cases, in other countries, whatever it is, we can do it in you know, aerodromes, uh, aerodromes, what we call aerodromes in France, which is lower-end airports uh, where you actually recreate an environment around it and you can create the arena uh, for spectators uh, around it pretty easily. And now that we have Formula One back in Miami, our hometown, uh, maybe we'll see it, I hope. And you have Formula One back also in Las Vegas, by the way. Yeah, well, that's true. (laughs) But we're only visiting here. (laughs) We live in Miami. Because you stole it from us. Uh, I'm sorry to say this. No, No. yeah, I mean, yeah, we we still had a Formula One race in France, in the south of France, in La Castellet by July. That was the last one. I mean, this time, you know, next time, next year, it's going to be here. Well, you got to spread the wealth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and of course if you want more information you want to visit them at maca flight m-a-c-a flight.com and you can keep track of what chris and his team are up to there in addition to the video in this interview and all the fun things that they're doing and we'll keep you informed too because i'm sure his team will let us know as more things develop and they get closer and closer thanks for spending a few minutes thank with you us so here. much for getting me here today dave i appreciate it it's our pleasure again maca m-a-c-a flight We'll get you there. Just hit us up at your convenience at intotomorrow.com. I'm Dave Graveline. Stay tuned. Much more to come right here.